Lord, good to be here. Thankful for the people that you brought out. And we just want to pray, Lord, that we could just really represent you in all that we say and do tonight for your glory. You teach, we listen. Let your spirit lead, guide, and direct. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. We have a lot of verses, references tonight to many different things. So what we're going to do is read the section first, and we're going to come back and break this one down. Continue our study here through 1 John. Pick it up here in verse 1 of chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is a great time just to stop and just talk about this because it seems like it's kind of thrown in the middle here. But it really is important. And this is where we miss. We miss out on chopping up a book like this because it would be great to really just sit down and read the whole five chapters. I, I highly encourage you. I really encourage this. When you have that Sabbath day's rest... Pick a book of the Bible, like a First John, and just read the whole thing in one setting. You know, we take a family day on Friday. That's our Sabbath day out here as a family. And one of the things I try to do on that day is pick a book of the Bible and just read it straight through in one setting. And as I do it, I just try to envision jumping back in time 2,000 years ago and receiving a copy of this letter. What would it be like to read the entire context of the letter at one time? It really just opens it up a lot. And what happens is we're doing a study through 1 John. We do six verses. Then we come back a week. We do another five, six verses. If you were reading this straight through, you would realize that he just was talking about this idea of love and obedience. Take a look at 22 and 23. Keeping his commandments. Doing things that are pleasing in his sight. 23. And this is his commandment. Verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments. And you wouldn't be that long ago that back at the beginning of chapter 2, take a look at verses 3 and 4 of 2. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. This should all be fresh in our minds. This idea that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I obey his word. How simple is that? Well, if you were reading through that, this would make sense. Because he now stops and says, but just remember everybody, you can't believe everything that people say under the name of Jesus. You've got to be careful. And that's why in verse 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test those things to make sure they are of God. Remember back in chapter 2, look at verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. 2,000 years ago, John thought this was the end. We're getting close to the end. If John thought it was the last hour 2,000 years ago, we've got to be in the last five minutes by now, you would sure think. As you have heard that the Antichrist, big A, if you weren't with us in our First John 2 study, we stopped to talk about who the Antichrist is. We went into detail there of Revelation 13, etc. The Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists, little A, have come by, which you know that this is the last hour. Please remember, Antichrist means two things. To stand in the place of God and to be against God. And that's what the Antichrist will do. He will actually try to be God and take worship like God does. And he will be openly against God. So we see that theme right there. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. 
For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So since the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we're able to now do, 1 John 4, 1, test the spirits. Because since the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we hear things and we stop and say, wait a second, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Take a look at 22 of 1 John 2. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So if we were reading this through straight through, you would see now how it ties into the idea of testing the spirits. You're going to run into a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of ideas, and some of them are pretty funky. I was uh, looking up, doing some research on some Bible stuff today. And I got on this website, and I was reading some stuff about it. And it, and it sounded pretty good. I always like it when I find a good Christian website. It was not familiar with the ministry. was not familiar with any of it. So I started reading some more stuff. And I started reading about two, three questions into it. It's like, okay, something is just not lining up here. And then you go to who they are. And they said who they were. And I thought, I've never heard of these people. Go to what they believe. And next thing you know, they don't believe in the Trinity. You know, and it's like you see this and it's like, okay, this is why we have to test the spirits. Because what happens is this, a lot of the false cults, a lot of the false religions out there will be 90% lining up with what we believe. Maybe even more. But that last 10% is a doozy. And you got to be very, very careful. Take a look here once again at 23 of chapter 2. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. I don't know if you ever run into this when talking to people. I run into this a lot. They love the concept of God, and they believe in God, but they're really not keen on Jesus. Well, if you see 23, you can't have a relationship with God unless you have a relationship with Jesus. Please remember that. Remember that. So this message is not ecumenical in any way whatsoever because the world wants us to stop and say, can't we just all call God by different names? We can't. It doesn't work that way. There's a reason why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. It's a one-way street. And so therefore, we have to keep that in the back of our mind. Now, he's saying test the spirits because verse 1, now we're back to 1 John 4, many false prophets have gone out into the world. They are all over the place. One of the signs of end times, according to Matthew 24, was Jesus said that you will hear Jesus is here, Jesus is there, Jesus is in the wilderness. People say that stuff today. Christ is all over the place. Paul, when he's talking about the end times in 1 Timothy 4, says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, now that's fighting words right there. Doctrines of demons. What else could it be? When you hear the background of some of these cults and religions and how they got their holy special books, it had to be demonically inspired. It's Satan masquerades as an angel of light, the Bible says. But it says that giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. We need to know this. You've got to search these things out. 1 Thessalonians makes it clear. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. It says, test all things. Test all things. So that means if somebody comes to you and they're presenting something, make sure it can be backed up with Scripture. Remember what it says back in Acts chapter 17, that there's this group of people called the Bereans. And when Paul would come and speak to them, it says that the Bereans were more noble. They were more fair-minded. That whatever Paul said, they would stop and say, sounds good, but we've got to check this out with the Scripture. That's the way we're still supposed to be today. 
The problem that happens today is somebody stands up behind a pulpit, they have a Bible, they wear a nice suit, they say something with authority and confidence, and we stop and say, well, it must be true. And we don't, we don't check it out. We see them on TV, we hear them on the radio, and we say, it sure sounds good. I'm telling you right now, test everything. Anything that people say, test it out. Check what we say here. Make sure there's a scripture reference for what we believe. Check the context of it. Just don't read the verse. Read the verses before it. Read the verses after it. Test the spirits. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Test all things. Jesus said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Matthew 24. End times, doctrines of demons, doctrine of spirits. We need to understand this. Great verse in Proverbs. If you're a note taker, I encourage you to write it down. Proverbs 14, 15. Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. The simple believe every word. I don't know how many times over the years I've had somebody come up to me and they bring up this idea and it's like, where did you get that from? And they start mentioning the teacher. They start mentioning the theology. It's like, have you looked into that? Have you studied that out? Test the spirits. Because why? Verse 1, many false prophets have gone out into this world, and they're still there today. So how are we supposed to know then? This sounds like almost like we can't win this. Remember what we read back in uh, 1 John 2.20. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. If you're here tonight and you were born again and saved, Jesus Christ, excuse me, if you're here tonight and born again and saved and believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So therefore, when something comes up, it's an immediate red flag to say, this doesn't line up with the scriptures and the nature of Jesus. Now, if you're here and you say, well, that's the problem. I don't know the Bible real well. Guess what? You're here. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully you're learning and you're studying. And I tell you, guys, there's 168 hours in a week. That's a lot of time to be in the Word. Get in there, learn it, know it, understand it. I use these two examples all the time, so many of you have heard of them before, because they're the two most obvious examples. Years ago, when the Da Vinci Code, I think, was coming out, and people were talking about, was Jesus married? And people would come up to me and say, was Jesus married to Mary? No. How do we know? Because the whole Bible already tells that Jesus is married to us. We're the bride of Christ. Or a few years ago where the guy said in May that Jesus was going to return on that date. Is it really going to happen? No. Because no man knows the day nor the hour. When you know the Bible, you automatically hear those things and say, that doesn't line up. But the problem is when they show up at your door and they open something that looks a lot like the Bible, sounds a lot like the Bible, and they speak with eloquence, they speak with confidence, and you stop and you say, sounds good. Must be right. That's The false prophets, that's, do not believe every spirit. Test them, know them, understand them. And I encourage you to put the time, energy, and effort to get to know it. And don't be afraid, though, to call, text, email, and I will do my best to try to help. But I also want to equip you with the tools that you can go out and be a light and a witness concerning this as well. So what's the test? The test is this, verse 2. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's the ongoing test. Verse 3, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, that sounds simple enough. If they believe in Jesus Christ, that he came in the flesh, then obviously they're part of the good group, right? Well, we have to start breaking these words down a little bit here. Let's first off talk about what the word confess means. Confess. Some of your translations say acknowledge. Not a fan of that word, acknowledge. Because if you acknowledge something... That means you're just acknowledging it. Dawn and I have this phrase that when we're talking to each other, 
and she is saying something or I am saying something, and we kind of just say, okay, I am not agreeing. I'm just acknowledging your point. Because sometimes if you say, okay, you make it sound like you agree. Like, hey, I think we should go do this. Okay. So we just say, I'm acknowledging. I hear your words. So if I hear acknowledging, I think people will say, well, they acknowledge that Jesus existed. He's real. So therefore, they're part of Christianity. Got to be careful with that. Because that word confess really means to agree with. It means literally to say the same thing. So if you confess Jesus Christ, you're not just acknowledging that Jesus existed. You're not just saying that there's a man named Jesus. You're not just saying that this character in the Bible was true and real. You are saying, I agree with the same things that the Bible says about Jesus. That is really, really important. Because you will run into many people that will acknowledge Jesus existed. They will acknowledge Jesus did miraculous things. They will acknowledge a supernatural power with Jesus. But are they saying the same things that the Bible says? The answer is in his name, Jesus Christ. Jesus refers to his humanity. The word Christ literally means anointed one or Messiah. So when you see Jesus Christ there in verse 2, you are saying, I see deity and humanity at the same time. That is vitally important. Because many groups you run into will either take away the deity of Jesus or they take away the humanity of Jesus. You've got to have both. That's what makes him the sacrifice for our sins. If he was not human, then how could he die for the sins of mankind? If he was not God, how could he be the perfect sacrifice? So Jesus Christ shows his deity and his humanity and we need both. So let's talk about this for a little bit. False prophets, let's test the spirits. Jehovah Witnesses, they believe in Jesus. But they believe he was the first created being and they don't believe he was God. So therefore, they're not confessing Jesus Christ like we confess Jesus Christ. What about Mormons? Mormons believe that Jesus was a spiritual brother to Lucifer. He was the first of God's spiritual children. And just this pre-human Christ is really Jehovah. Well, that's not the Jesus Christ that the Bible teaches. Here's the one that surprises people a lot. Muslims. Muslims love Jesus. When we go up to Dearborn and we go door to door and the subject of Jesus comes up, they always want to stop the conversation really quick. They'll look at us and say, oh, Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh, you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Well, then I guess we're all on the same page. No. To them, Jesus was a great prophet. They believe, though, in the virgin birth. They believe in miracles of Jesus. But they do not believe Jesus was crucified and died on the cross for our sins. So it doesn't pass the test of what we're talking about here. So you've got to be careful when you start talking to these groups and this name of Jesus comes up and you see this right here. Well, they're confessing Jesus Christ. Well, no, 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 no. They have a version of Jesus that they like. Some of them take away the humanity of Jesus. Some of them take away the deity of Jesus. We need the humanity and the deity of Jesus. And we need to confess that, which means to agree with. It means to say the same thing as what the Bible says. If we're not saying the same thing, then we have to reject that false spirit. We have to. And this is the world we live in. And this is why John is telling us again, verse 1, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 3, this is the spirit of the Antichrist that you heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's already here. Jesus told us about it in Matthew 24. Paul said this is in times in 1 Timothy 4. We're seeing it. We need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to test it. 
And that's why it's important every now and then to have these verses to really stop and say, do I understand who Jesus Christ is, man and God at the same time? So when I run into these people, I have the biblical knowledge and understanding to say, we're not on the same page. We're not talking about the same person. And so therefore, we need to speak truth on what this is and learn what to accept and learn what to reject. So we'll stop here real quick. Anybody got any questions about this? I want to make sure we're all on the same page of understanding this idea of confessing Jesus Christ and testing the spirits and making sure everything's on the up and up. We good? Okay. Mark. And this is why we got to be prayed up and ready. Have your armor on all the time. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, some of the nicest people, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not making a joke. Some of the nicest people I've ever met in this world are not saved. They're nice people. And so you sit here and you say, oh, I want to like you. And I want to be on the same page with you. And I want to think that we can work. We can't. We can't. This, this is a foundational truth of Christianity of who Jesus Christ is. Confessing who he is. If I saw another hand up over here somewhere. Nope, John. It is, and that for those that didn't hear that, it was First uh, Timothy three sixteen that John was talking about. You know, I think a lot too about what it talks about in this idea of uh, Philippians. It says, "Let this mind be." This is Philippians two. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. I mean, it's it's there. And once again, if you talk to them, you got to you got to ask the right questions, and you're going to have to get layers. It's kind of like an onion. You've got to peel it back. And generally speaking, the more you peel it back, the more you're going to cry. Because it, it, it gets sad after a while. It does. Because you realize, listen, you are giving up your time and energy to go door to door to do all these works. And you're lost. You're lost. You're, you're, let me tell you about who Jesus Christ really is from what the Bible says. Sometimes they accept, sometimes they reject, sometimes they don't care. But that's what the word confess means, to say the same thing. Jesus, we see his humanity. Christ, we see the anointed Messiah. We see the deity there. Um, Test the spirits, folks. Test the spirits.
Yeah, you proclaim truth and you hope that, you know, the Holy Spirit's speaking. One of the verses I pray a lot is let them have ears to hear. Um, and, I, and I encourage you, I mentioned this to you before, um, you know, I take a meal a week that I set aside to fast over, and one of the things I fast over is the spiritual warfare that I know I'm going to run into. You are going to run into this type of spiritual warfare. It is. It's inevitable. So I encourage you to get prayed up and ready beforehand. So that way when it comes up, you are prepared, you're ready. And it's just the simple things. Ask yourself, if someone came up to me and said, how do you know Jesus is God? Okay, do I have the scriptures to understand this, to present this? If somebody came up to you and said, do you, I really believe, do you really believe this idea of that God became man and died and rose again? How do I know this? Study it out now. Study it out now. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the fall season. We know winter is coming. We plan ahead for winter. We know it's coming. You know you're going to have a conversation with one of these groups where this subject is going to come up. Be prayed up. Be prepared. Be ready. Study yourself to show an approved workman rightly dividing the word of truth, as it says in Timothy. As Peter says, be ready to give a defense of the gospel. Understand these things. That way we know what to say and do. Yes. Yeah, Marsha. What I would say to that, she was just asking, how would we apply this to um, somebody who, who, the Jesus of Revelation, that's kind of what they focus on. I would say this, if I go read Revelation 1, and it talks about who Jesus is, let's, let's just go to Revelation 1 here real quick, guys. If I was talking to someone, and they were focused on the Revelation Jesus, I would say, Amen. And I would probably encourage them because most of the time people aren't focused on the revelation Jesus. They have more of the Jesus and the Gospels. And we joke about this when we do our study in the book of Revelation. They always envision Jesus walking around with this big smile carrying a lamb on around his neck. And Jesus is just the nicest guy that's ever lived, which is true. And then when they get to Revelation, they're kind of shocked to see Jesus at the second coming and the blood coming up to the horse's bridles and judgment. But just take a look at Revelation 1. The revelation, the unveiling... That's what Revelation means, of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things they saw. I would probably encourage them saying, okay, right there, who's John? And what's John talking about with this testimony of Jesus? I would encourage them, how about you go read the gospel of John? who also wrote Revelation, and John's saying, hey, I can testify to this book, and I can also testify to knowing who Jesus is. I would jump ahead. Verse 5, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn from the dead. Encourage them. Hey, why don't you go read the four different gospel accounts of Resurrection Sunday morning, of what's it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? That type of stuff. Um, Jumping ahead. Verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Encourage them. What do you think Son of Man means? Because that was Jesus' favorite phrase in the Gospels to refer to himself as. was Son of Man. Clothed with the garment down to the feet. Girded about the chest with the golden band. His head and hair were like white, like wool. Maybe even say, hey, how about go back to Daniel 
where Daniel talks about the Ancient of Days, and he looks like this. Um, you know, just those are the type of things I would probably try to encourage with and say to truly understand Revelation Jesus, you have to get Gospel Jesus. To truly understand Gospel Jesus, you also have to get Revelation Jesus. Remember, Jesus said in the Gospels, the whole book is written about me. And I think what happens is it's a dangerous thing when anybody gets their one string on that guitar that they only want to play. Some people, it's end times prophecy. That's all they want to talk about. Well, then you're missing. you got the second coming down, but you don't got the first coming down yet. For some people, it's New Testament. Uh, I've tried that Old Testament stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you're just missing out on 39 books of the Bible. For some people, maybe it's Pauline only. I only study out Paul. Okay, well, you also got James and John and Jude and Peter. So I think any time you just get that one thing, it's like I only eat this one thing. I'm not looking at you, Marv. I only eat this one thing. You're missing the blessing of having a full meal of who Jesus is with everything. I, that's the route I would try to go with them and say, as you read Revelation 1, go back and look those things up in the Gospels. I don't know if that would work, but that's what I would try. So, anybody else got anything here before we move on here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you got to, like you said, it's the whole thing. It's the entire gospel, the whole counsel of God. Um, I know people that got truth down, but they don't got love down. I know people that got love down, but they don't got truth down. That's why it says in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. And that's probably the beauty of doing the whole counsel of the Bible. I encourage you, be in the old, be in the new, be all over the place. See how this puzzle comes together. It's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. All right. Let's uh, move on here, here. So we're looking at the time. Verse 4, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is in the world? Satan. Satan is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He is the God of this world. Three times in John. If you're a note taker, John 14, 30. John 16, 11. John 12, 31, Jesus himself says, Satan is the ruler of this world. We normally don't think about that. But Jesus said he's the ruler of this world. Paul said he's the God of this world. Just jump ahead to 1 John 5 real quick. 1 John 5, look at verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So Paul says it, John says it, Jesus says it at least three times there in the book of John. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You know, a lot of times when I talk to people and the idea of Christ comes up and people have a hard time believing in God, they say, you know, I look at this world and it's really hard for me to believe in the God that allows this, wants this, like whatever. 
I say, I agree with you. If, if, the, if this is what God wanted, that's not a God I'd want to serve. This is not what God wanted. So let me go back and tell you about the Garden of Eden in creation. Let me tell you about heaven. Let me tell you about God's original plan and how we messed this up. And so this world is under the God of this world, the ruler of this world, the sway of this world. Now, I know we don't have time tonight to get into this because then people start saying, so does that mean everything that happens God doesn't have a hand in? Go read the book of Job and you'll see a beautiful balance there of the Lord allowing things to happen and the enemy then using that because God says, I'm giving you the permission to do that. But ultimately speaking, this world is not our Father's world. We sing that song, but this is not what it is. It will eventually become a new heaven and a new earth. But for right here, right now, you have to remember this world is not what God wanted or intended in any way whatsoever. And John is acknowledging this, and he says, Listen, he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he's in the world. That should take away any fear, guys. God himself lives inside of you. So since God himself lives inside of you, what do you have to worry worried about with this world? The Holy Spirit has sealed you, and it's just said you are mine Oh, it's a beautiful thing. You don't need to worry about it. Look at verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. Keep your hand here. Go with me to John 15, please. John 15. This is something we need to build on a little bit. John 15. What a great point there. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. The world only wants to listen to what the world wants to listen to. The world doesn't want to listen to us. Take a look here at John 15. Verse 19. Actually, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Guys, the world hates you. Please remember that. If you make a born-again stance for Jesus Christ in this world, the world is not going to like you. Stay in the book of John. Go to John 17. John 17. Look at verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't know where we got this idea from, but it seems like the new thing in Christianity is today is that church is going to be so fun, so hip, so cool, that the world is going to want it. I don't know how that could work. Because once you start presenting the gospel message and the truth of sin and righteousness and judgment and also love, the world doesn't want to hear that. And so what happens is I think sometimes as churches and maybe as Christians, we try so hard to like the world to like us when really God has said the world's not going to like you. Now, remember what Paul said to you, become all things to all people that you may win the sum. But the real context of that passage is not saying look like the world, dress like the world, act like the world, talk like the world so you can witness to the world. That's not what it's saying. Charles Spurgeon has a great quote. It is a very ill omen to hear a wicked world clap its hands and shout well done to a Christian man. I like that. It is a very ill omen to hear a wicked world clap its hands and shout well done to a Christian man. You know, Jesus actually said, be careful if everybody's liking you. Maybe you should be a little concerned about that. Be careful. Be careful in how much time you spend wanting to be accepted, praised, and included with whatever the world's doing. We forget that we are called saints. Saint has gotten this really weird idea now, which is not the biblical idea. When you think of saint now, especially if you came out of like a Catholic church, you think of these super-duper Christians type things. 
That's not what the Bible is talking about, saints. We're all saints. If you're here tonight and you're born again and saved, you're a saint. And saint just literally means separated. Separated from the world. Remember what it says in Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. We forget that when we got saved, when we got saved, we changed our address of where we live. We now live in heaven. We changed our father from Satan to God. We changed our family to the brothers and sisters of Christ. We changed countries. We're now a heavenly citizen. What happens is I see so many people get saved or say they're saved, and yet they still live, act, dress, talk just like they used to. There's going to be changes that happen in you because if God has changed you on the inside, he's also going to change you on the outside. But the change on the inside has to happen first. But that's what it means to be a saint. You are separated from this world. That does not mean you go build a fort on the highest hill, hide from society, so that way you never see the ills of the world. Not in any way whatsoever. Jesus said you'd be in the world, but not of the world. We just read in John 17, if you keep reading the next verse there, Jesus says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. We're supposed to be in this world to represent Jesus Christ. That's our job as a missionary. So as a missionary, that's what we're supposed to do. But just be careful in how much time we spend wanting to be accepted, praised, and included in everything the world does. We are saints. We are called to be different. We're called to be separate. Separate in all things. That's why verse 5, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Look at 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That is the truth. So often I run into uh, born-again believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, maybe through ministry, through missions work, through something, and you meet them, and five minutes after meeting them, you're like, I know this person. Right from the beginning, we already have the same father. We already have the same retirement home. We have the same everything. Automatically there's a connection because of who Jesus Christ is. But when you meet somebody in the world, you have to find that worldly thing to connect. And we start having conversations. Oh, where did you go to school? What did your parents do for a living? You're just trying to find that one world thing. Where yet you can meet somebody who's saved. And it's like, you're a Christian. I'm a Amen. And automatically right there, we have everything in common. That's just the beauty of what it is. And this is what John is saying. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that is, is to really stop and think about that. Can you go with me real quick to um, 2 Corinthians 2? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Why is it hard for the world to accept us? 2 Corinthians 2 gives us this idea here real quick. I'm going to read this actually out of the New Living Translation. I like the way this reads. And I'm going to go ahead and start it right here in verse 14. So read a little bit different if you're reading New King James or something. It says, But thank God He has made us His captives and continues to lead us long in Christ's triumphal, triumphal procession. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. 
And who is adequate for such a task as this? Oh, that's the truth. When you go talk to the non-believing world that doesn't want to get saved, you smell of death and doom. Because you are representing a God that judges and hell and conviction and sin. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're working with people at work. A cuss word comes out. They look at you and say, oh, sorry. Because they feel bad that they said that in front of you. They don't, that's what they feel bad because you are the perfume of death and doom. But when you are talking to someone who is interested in the Lord, getting saved, going deeper, what does this say? But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. What a beautiful picture that is. Beautiful picture. I, I can relate to that. I can remember you know, when I got saved and before I got saved. I got saved as a, a junior in high school. And I can remember the first two years that I was out there in high school, my freshman, sophomore year, how often uh, Jim Crager would come up and witness to me and share with me. And he smelled like death and doom. <laughs> I didn't want to be around him. Got saved my junior year, and all of a sudden his smell changed. And he was perfume that was life-giving. And I understand that. I understand when I go talk to the world that the world doesn't want to talk to me. They don't want to make eye contact. They will make chit-chat about anything else with anybody else about meaningless nonsense. But as soon as the subject of the Lord comes up and eternity and heaven, hell and life and God and love and Christ, they don't want to hear it. Go back and look one more time at 1 John 4, look at 5 and 6. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. The world loves to hear themselves speak. They love it. Verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Like I said, at this time you stop and you say, okay, well then if they're not going to listen to me, I might as well just go hide and wait for the rapture. No, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be a light and a witness where you live, where you work, at school, at home, representing Jesus Christ. And realize, even though you smell like death and doom to many people, it can switch over to perfume as soon as our eyes are open in Jesus Christ. So I tell you guys, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Those who acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and what that really means. And that we need to get out there and be a light and a witness, taking a stand for truth and all that I say and do. All right, we're almost out of time. Any final questions here real quick before we close up? Yeah, Bethany. It, sh- it shouldn't, but it still hurts us. And, and I don't know why that does, because I think there's this human fleshly side that wants to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be part of the group. And the Lord has said from the beginning that we are going to be rejected. And that's why God constantly says you've got to be a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. I- I'll share this with you real quick. I-, I just got done reading through Second Corinthians. And Paul is talking about his love for the church of Corinth. And the church of Corinth just didn't like him. And he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So he says, I will give up my life or I will do everything. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And that, and that just represents it. The more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And, you know, Bethany was kind of saying that, the idea of Jesus being pushed away. He loved people. He was the epitome of walking love. And the world says, we don't want to be around this. So go out there, represent, test the spirits and all that you say and all that you do.
represent Christ. Marv. I'm not even going to repeat what you said. So those listening in radio land will just have to guess about what you were saying right there. Yeah, so you've got to get the whole thing. 66 books. You're not going to win this one. Everybody bring Marv broccoli and a Pepsi next week. He will absolutely love it. Yeah. All right, let's, let's stand and pray. Lord, as we just come to you now, we are going to run into many different groups of people, many different backgrounds, many different ideas, many different persuasions, many different whatever. Lord, we just want to represent love to them in Jesus Christ. And as we represent love, we also want to represent truth. So, Lord, help us, as Ephesians says, to speak the truth in love. Um, we believe who you are. We confess who you are. We acknowledge who you are. And now, Lord, we want to go out and live it and all that we say and do. And real quick, Lord, I just think of all these upcoming events here. We think of just these small groups starting next week. We think of the Halloween alternative. We think of the uh, uh, Thanksgiving potluck coming up. All these things, none of it means anything without you. Let it be for you and your glory in all ways and all things. We love you and we thank you, Lord. And just be with those boxes out there that are being packed. We pray for those kids that receive them to know the truth of the gospel in your name. Amen. You guys have a good week and God bless.